This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you've chosen to take your time to listen to what we have to say here at Modern Homemakers. We are a nonprofit organization funded by those of you who find the work profitable. We don't ask for donations a few times a year. We just make it known that we are a 501c3 and you can get a tax deduction for any gifts you make to the ministry. What we really want the most is that you spread the word and tell people, if you find this valuable, um, tell someone else who might find it valuable and subscribe to the ministry on our website. Well, the theme is listening. Are you listening? Have you been listening? Are you tired of me talking about listening already? And we're only 10 or 12 shows into the year. I'm overwhelmed by how big the subject of listening is, how complicated the subject is. Now, while I've set the theme this year for listening, for learning and love, I, I keep telling myself there's no possible way that we can do 150 shows this year on the subject of listening. But more and more, I'm convinced that we need some structure. We need some help. We need some understanding of the importance. And there are many ways that we learn how to listen, many places that we learn how to listen. I recently did a show that I titled, let me say it again, Sacred Listening. That class was a lesson about 50 years of my intensity in trying to be a better listener. And if you are asking me across the desk from me, Donna, do you consider yourself a good listener? I'm going to tell you that I think I'm not. I'm going to tell you that I'm better than I used to be. But I know how much improvement I need. So I hope that you will recognize that listening for love and learning is exactly designed to help us improve what categorically we will say in our culture is desperately poor listeners. So today I want to talk to you about listening to God through the scriptures. Um, Yes, being still and knowing that he is God, listening to his voice. But I know that listening to God's voice is often a hard thing to do. People often say to me, how do you know it's God's voice? And I mentioned this a few days ago, I know in my knower. But it takes a long time to we're sure that that voice we hear or feel or sense, whatever word you to add to it, is his voice. But I can tell you it does not take a long time to learn to listen to God through the scriptures. Learning for listening and loving is the central piece in life with anyone, your boss, your husband, your children, your grandchildren, your best friend, and certainly your God. And there are two specific activities that will help you listen to God. Two, just two. Don't you like it when it's just two, not a list of nine or ten things? First, read the Bible. 
long pause, extraordinary long pause. I'm going to say it again. Read the Bible. Read scriptures. Read the Bible. Step number one. That's all that step includes. Just read it. Just open it and read it. Second, pray. Pray. Reading the Bible and praying in a world of distraction, noises, and interruptions, a lack of privacy, and everything that you are looking at leads you to noise and confusion. Someone is often asking me as I look at my phone or when I'm on my computer. We are always looking for what's going on. There are times when my phone is buzzing, ringing, beeping, whatever, and I'm not listening to it. And someone will say, your phone is, and I, I, I say, I know, I'm not listening to it. I'm not answering it. We're so accustomed to having access to each other all the time. Text her and ask her. Send her a GIF, a meme, a photo. Share a contract. It's all so fast and it's on your screen and it's in your face. Beep, 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 beep. Listening to God, while it may be hard to sit still and listen and come to recognize his voice, the sure way of coming to recognize his voice is to recognize what he says in the word of God. Now, I don't know where you stand on Bible reading, if you do it, if you do it at all, what version you read in. There are hundreds, literally hundreds of versions of Bibles, and pretty much anyone who has a full-time ministry, you know, you might see a Don Otto Bible someday. No, you never will do that. But, um, but great leaders in our culture, in our church, um, offer us insights in the scripture. So there's the Renovari Bible and the Eugene Peterson Bible and the Passion Bible and the Mercy Bible and the Mirror Bible. And there are, I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm not going to count them. I'm not going to find out. But I don't care from what Bible you read as long as it's a translation that is Christ-centered. And as long as it will help you learn to listen to God. Because I will assure you of this. If you read the scripture and the scripture says, thou shall not lie, God will never ask you to lie. So if there's a voice in your head, in your heart, you're sensing a message that says, if you just tell this little story, you'll get out of this. That's not God. That's all. That's just not God. Because God doesn't contradict himself. So when I'm saying to you early in this season about learning to listen to God, to be still and know that he is God, and you push back and say, I don't have enough time for stillness. I don't have enough time for recognizing his voice. I'm not good at it. I've never been good at it. I say, okay, okay. Well, then let's start someplace else. And let's start by reading God's word, reading the Bible reading the Bible. On several occasions when I'm in a space with another person and I'm not looking at every text on my phone, because I am doing something that's reading something that's more important to me, people want to help me with that. And I think, so what's the first small tool or hint that I would encourage you to do? Read your Bible away from all of that. I, I don't know where that is for you. Is it sitting in the bathroom with the door closed? Sitting in a bathtub? 
going back to my first closet in your clothes closet, clear place on the floor and hide yourself in there. The kids won't look for you there. Find a place outside, inside, at your coffee shop, on a bench in your park, in any place that you can. I found this to be very interesting. And most of you who have been listening to us for a while know that my husband and I moved last year. We moved out of very spacious property, which provided space to go a lot of places without leaving home, so to speak. And um, I'm confident that those people who are close to me have heard me whining a little about the absence of those spaces. But I've been surprised at how many people in my world have said to me, the kids have taken all their stuff to college. I've got an empty bedroom. Do you want to come and sit in there for a quiet time? I thought, how interesting. I must have whined enough about my lack of spaciousness that people are offering me a space. Someone was making a trip, and they said, you could go to the house if you wanted to. I thought, how sweet. And maybe you need to offer that to a friend of yours, or as I said a few days ago, take a shift, and each of you take a shift. You watch her kids go to her house. She watches your kids. She comes to your house. But find a place that you don't feel responsible. You don't look around and say, that plant needs to be watered. There are a million things to do. A child is interrupting me. I've been a part of a small group. I've mentioned this numbers of times uh, for 35 or 40 years now. And uh, recently, there was a volley of data on the email. And they were checking dates and rearranging plans. And I was engaged in something else um, because I don't keep my phone and my computer on for every bing and noise. And later in the volley of conversations when I was reading it all, one of the girls said, well, where's Donna? What is she, what's her response? And another girl said, she doesn't keep her computer on. She does other things. And she described some of the things I do. And then she said, but she looks every evening and every morning. I'm sure she'll get it before the day is over. I was so pleased with that because I thought, now I've chosen how I'm going to use my computer. Now, some days I'm working on my computer, I'm using my word processing portion of my computer, and the ding goes off and I look at it. But on a regular basis, I don't sit at my computer or am engaged with it being on my phone or my computer or any of those tools. It's a reminder because some of this is always about you're needing my instant reply. Well, I sent her a text three hours ago. Well, you sent her a text three hours ago. It's okay if you don't reply. And if that space is just enough to read some of the scripture, I would encourage you to do it. I refer often to Eugene Peterson, and I assure you're going to hear a little more about him this year um, because of the biography, the authorized biography, which came out in the spring and which I gobbled up this summer, um, Burning in My Bones. But he also wrote a book that I refer to frequently, and it's, the title is A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Um, it was a very difficult title for me to remember when it first came to print, which is about 25 years ago, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I came to find out rather relatively recently that it was a Nietzsche quote. Um, Nietzsche was a philosopher, and he, and what he talked about in this book, 
uh, Peterson talked about in the book, which is titled Long Obedience in the Same Direction, which is a Nietzsche quote. The subtitle of that book is Discipleship in an Instant Society. This book was written 25 years ago. Uh, I say C.S. Lewis didn't know about noises except horn blowing and an occasional telephone and train whistles. Uh, 25 years ago, Eugene Peterson was saying that this was an instant society. Now, he's also gone home to be with Jesus. But I'm saying to you that while texting had not begun, Instagram in an instant society, he was still reminding us that hearing the Lord our God, that faith comes by hearing, and that a tool for listening to one another is to read the words of each other. Now, if you're like I am, I, I've had a lot of letters in my lifetime. I'm older than most of you who are listening, I believe. But I've saved a lot of letters. I have a box in my study that I refer to as my encouragement box. And if I ever need a word of encouragement, I just lift the lid on this box. And inside are letters and and words of encouragement from people like yourself and others through the years of this work that I've been doing. It's very encouraging. I listen to those words and I remember. So a tool for listening to one another is to read their words, letters, reading someone's favorite book. Um, And so when I say to you, collections of letters, reading of other people's letters, which is a profound way to get to know someone. I think the first book I ever remember was a, a, a book of letters written by a father to his son. It was called Letters from Father. And I read it and I, I just gobbled it up. I, I read a lot of letters that Abraham Lincoln had written and letters that had been written to him. So a great way to get to know somebody is to read their letters. And of course, the Bible are letters written to us from God. They're his ideas, his thoughts, his inspirations, his descriptions. We taught a Choices Matters series a number of years ago. It's available on our website. It's a wonderful series, if I must say so myself. But choices do matter. And a clear way to listen to God is to read his word. There's a strong and constant stream of words and pictures of the world that we listen to. The Bible reading is a form, a strong form of listening to God who will be with you always. I've written on mentoring and taught groups of women about what it means to be a mentor. And it often means that there's someone in our world who we value how they live their life. And so we engage in this form of mentoring. And it's because I wanted to learn the craft of that person. Of all the many things that Elizabeth Elliot taught me, showed me, um, allowed me to do with her, which included the smallest and largest things, I remember we were making beds on, in her daughter Valerie's home as they had just moved in and Elizabeth and I had gone to help Val get moved in. They had eight children, so there were 10 beds to be made that night. I guess maybe there were 11. 11, Elizabeth and myself and the children and Wallace and Val. And so we made these beds together. And as we made these beds together, she called me Dotto. And she said, how do you do that, Dotto? 
And I thought, she's asking me how I do something. Well, I'll show her how I do. And and I thought, that is when we're together. In that moment, I was teaching her the craft of making the bed. I can remember standing at her kitchen sink and talking over the sink. And she took out the dishcloth. And I think I always struggled with what to do with a dishcloth. Like, did I need a dishcloth? And I didn't want it to be smelly. And I, and I, how did I dry it off? Did I wring it? Where did I store it? I had all these questions. And in 13 seconds, she run it through the water. It was square. She folded it up in squares, long ways. She wrung it out very tight, and she hung it over the nozzle. And I thought, clean, drying, perfect, done. Just like in seconds. So when we mentor someone, when we listen to what they're saying, when we become a disciple of Jesus, what we're really saying is, I want to learn your craft. I want to be like you, Jesus. How do I learn to be like Jesus? How do I become an apprentice? How do I let him teach me what better way than to read his letters, the Bible which he gave to us. We're always in the learning position with Jesus. We're never in a teaching position. Hello, can I say that to you again? Can I say that to myself out loud? I may be the teacher, but when it comes to Jesus, I am never in the teaching position. I'm always in a learning position. People often ask me why I read so much. I love learning. I live a learning life. That's how I live my life. And the scripture is a tool to learn the craft of Jesus. We gain information about how he lives, how he wants me to live, how he offers a a possibility to avoid certain circumstances. When he says we are to be sober-minded, what is he saying? We're to be sober-minded, we're not to be drunk, right? Right? When we're sober-minded, what kind of conversations do we have? We have conversations that are sober. When we're drunk-minded, what kind of conversations do we have? We have conversations that don't make any sense. We may say things we don't mean. We may say things we shouldn't say. We may make promises we can't make. One phrase in the scripture that could alter the choice of what you drink. Be sober-minded. So my craft is to be his disciple. And to learn from him, I read his letters and gain information. And as I learn information, I know if I hear an ear whisper, oh, have a little more to drink, it won't matter. I remember having read his words that say, I am to maintain a sober-mindedness. We're not trying to inquire or acquire, I should say, more information about God. Do you understand that? We're not trying to find out when God created the earth and how he created the earth and how Jesus was born. Although that's good information. But when we read the scripture, listening for learning and love, we're learning the heart of God. We're learning not skills, but rather learning to listen to his heart. It's a lifelong journey. He speaks to us through the scripture, and it's a lifelong journey. We learn to speak to him in prayer and in conversation about the things we read in the Bible. So there are four simple words. The first one is simple. What does this conversation and reading the scripture, listening to God through reading the scripture, it's simple, it's long, it's slow, and it's holy. It's simple, long, slow, 
and holy. And I want you to encourage you to listen to the voices of the scripture that will never lead you in the wrong directions. So you want to read it slowly. You want to read it imaginatively. You want to read it prayerfully. And you want to read it obediently. So this is what you do. You simply read long, slow, and holy. That's the scripture, the conversation that you will have with God, which you will listen to. And how you do it is you read it slowly. You read it imaginatively, prayerfully, and obediently. Now, what do I mean by slowly? The world of God is found in the scripture, and it is deep and wide. It is so vast that listening to his heart for all the world is entered slowly with intention. Slowly. If I, if you said to me, well, how much should I read every day? I would say to you, read how much ever you can read to listen and learn from his heart. And if that's one sentence, that's good. Read it slowly. One sentence, one phrase. It's very different from the fast-paced communication that we live in. Read it imaginatively. Sadly, very sadly, statistics reveal that we have less and less and less imagination in our lives. I suppose that'd be very clear. Um, A young man has less imagination about what it means to be with a woman for the first time because he's seen it over and over on television and in movies. Our children, as well as adults, race through life without pondering, without imagination. And the scripture is a way of revealing God and his creation, his history and his life and the people that he created. The stories of Jesus happened a thousand years ago. We must use our imagination to think about what life was like that long ago. There weren't cell phones. There wasn't air conditioning. We ate much more simple foods. The stories of Jesus, when we read Jesus going off into the wilderness by himself, what can we imagine that to look like? What did the beach scenes look like when Jesus had to get in a boat and go out into the water because there were so many people on the beach? Have you ever been to Southern California on a holiday when there's wall-to-wall people? Well, that's what it was like, only they weren't in swimsuits and laying down next to each other. They were sitting upright, and they were jam-packed. Can you imagine Jesus in a boat on the water speaking without a microphone to thousands of people? Well, that's what it was like. Using your imagination will help you understand it. Prayerfully, Psalm 15, 29 says that he hears the prayers of the righteous person. When we read God's word prayerfully, it is a way that we listen to God When we make time to listen to God in the scriptures, we're not, again, reading for data or information or statistics. I mean, the 12 tribes are there, and how many were killed in the battles of, it's all there. But you're not reading it to gain information, to pass a course, but to add to the quality of the course of your life. We read the scripture for hearing his voice, receiving his blessing, accepting his invitation, knowing his promise, and much more. Bible reading is different than any other kind of reading. Slow and over and over and over and over again. I am always stunned, really. I expect it, but I'm still surprised about it. I've read that before and I never understood it, Lord. 
There have been a number of parables, the stories that Jesus told. And the stories were written in parables, so not everybody did understand it. And I read the parable, and I thought, that's what it means. And then I'm reading the parable again because I, like you, want to listen to God. And I read the scriptures so that I might listen to his voice and to his heart. And when I read something, a parable that I didn't understand before, um, I'm surprised. Lastly, and this is the toughest one. It's the toughest one. I leave it for last. Will you read the scripture listening to God with a heart to obey it? Don't even like the word obey, do you? Don't like someone to tell me what to do. This is hard. As we simply live in a culture that does not like or heed obedience to anyone or anything. This is not a learning book, the Bible. This is his book, his book, that he wrote for me. He's the author of this book. He loves the readers of this book. He created everything that he talks about this book in this book. And obedience is simply the best way to create the trust with God that God can handle, that he wants us to handle, that we might heed his voice. By that, we might obey what he calls us to do. Read the Bible and listen. Hear his voice speaking to you. It is there every way, on every page, and every chapter, and every book. And someone will write me, I am sure, and say, where shall I start? So I'll tell you that today. Start in the Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, and start in the book of John. 21 chapters in the book of John. You could read a half a chapter a day, and in 40 days you will have read the entire book of John. It will change your life. I recommend you read John for five months in a row and don't read anything else. Just read it over and over. These are the precious words of Jesus through John and have much to do with the end of Jesus' life. I'm Donna Otto. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being willing to listen to me as we talk about listening for learning and love. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of listening to God through the Bible.